one. How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. Um, once again, guys, I'm joined by Ben Gorwitz. It's our only podcast of the week, so y'all know what that means. I'm actually going to be out of town on a bachelor party, or else we would be doing the Picks Pod tomorrow, but so we're going on Wednesday. Ben, you ready to get after it, man? I am ready. Uh, I do want to preface something. I, I, I can't say I love the board this week. Um, college or NFL, I'm going to make the most of it. I do have some plays that I'm going to be playing, but I just can't say that I necessarily love the board this week. But I'm going to give it my best crack at it because that's what we do. Hey, that's exactly what we do, Ben. Um, I will say I haven't gotten enough time yet to dig deep on the NFL. There still is a lot of factors that – I can't take into effect just yet this early in the week. College football, though, I am rocking and ready to go. I could give you all five-piece in college football shit, even a six- or seven-piece in college football, but instead I'm just going to give you all four there and one in the NFL. But before we do all that, Ben, let's talk about your observations from the week it was. Yeah, let's do it. Um, let's start with your boys, Florida State Seminoles. Uh, Johnny Wilson is a baller. He looked like he was Megatron out there against Louisville. Um so he looked great. He's looked great all season so far. Speaking of looking great, nobody in the country looks better than Georgia offensively or defensively. Maybe a couple of teams offensively, but defensively, they're still suffocating teams. Stetson Bennett looks like a new quarterback. I, I don't understand how anyone can doubt this kid anymore. I feel like he's proven everyone time after time wrong. Um, anything on the first two from you? Um. I agree with you on Johnny Wilson. I hope Jordan Travis comes back soon because this Knowles team's looking like an eight, nine win team with Jordan Travis and Co. In, li- in lineup. And, you know, Stetson Bennett as well. I will say we've definitely given him a little bit of disrespect, but I'm going to hold off on praising him until we see him play some real competition. That's fine. I guess you didn't see enough last year from him. Um, I mean, I thought he was good last year. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not was, saying he's bad. Thought he was good last year, and I think he's looked even better this year. So regardless Fair. of his competition, I think he looks like he's improved. But No, I agree with the, you. I just want to see what he does in a big game, you know? Yeah, I hear you. The third one for me is I hate it for the Utah Utes, uh, not just because I have him in my playoff, but that Florida game was a complete fluke because Florida is trash. Maybe they proved me wrong when they played Tennessee this week, but Anthony Richardson, who everyone was um, all over him, is the PG way to say it was uh, he's played three games. He has thrown zero touchdown passes. That is embarrassingly bad to do um, for a guy that some people thought you could win the Heisman. That is atrocious. Hey, that's, um, that's why him uh, winning the Heisman was my extremely hot take. I will say I texted Ben on Saturday night, and I said, you know what, Ben? Anthony Richardson is Felipe yeah. Franks, and he needs to realize that he's a tight end and not a quarterback while he's still in college. I kind of forgot that that was your – Long shot to win the Heisman. Uh, BYU, <laughs> BYU, money in, on it. <laughs> BYU was in for a very rude awakening this weekend when they played in Eugene, Oregon. They got smacked. Now, the keynote for BYU is I still do believe that they're a good uh, football team. They played their second big game in a row without two of their um, wide receivers who were both projected to be drafted in the NFL draft. That's huge for a school like BYU. I think it's a tough spot for them. Um, it's not if, but it's when for Brian Harson and Jeff Collins. I think if Jeff Collins loses really badly this week to UCF, which I do think Tech loses, I think he could be fired after this game. Harson, if he loses at home to Missouri, I also think he could be out after this game. They're both gone after this season, in my opinion. 
Harson might get a Herm Edwards on the field if that happens. Seriously. Um, yeah, we already know that boosters don't like them. Let's switch to the NFL real quick. Jacoby Brissett, you texted me this, so I'm stealing it from you. Jacoby Brissett should never be favored in a game, especially weren't they on the road last week? No, they were at home at least. They were at home. Um, yeah. That'll be a key thing for what I say later. Tua and the Dolphins, legit. And I don't care what happens in, uh, against the Ravens this week. Tua finally looks like he's got a lot of confidence. He finally looks like he's got a coach and, and um, players that believe in his ability. And I honestly think you can say that a lot of the time the Tua was struggling. People didn't want to admit it. His offensive line was terrible. His coaching was also terrible. If people can't admit that now, you're just not watching football because they finally have an offensive coach who's putting Tua in the right spots, and he is coming through for Mike McDaniel. I also have one more stat on Tua before you can chime in. He's now 8-1 and one for Super Bowl winning coaches. It's the highest win percentage. It's an 88.9% winning percentage in the NFL in NFL history. He's got the highest win percentage if you have a minimum of six starts. He's 8-1 and one against those teams. He gets another chance to do it this week because they play – I said they played the Ravens this week. They don't play the Ravens. They, yeah, they play the Bills. Yeah. Um, so he does not get another chance this week because Sean McDermott is not a Super Bowl winning coach. But he's 8-1. and one. That's damn impressive. Yeah. Um, I actually agree with everything you said on two. I'm glad you hopped in there. But actually the guy I do want to talk about, though, is Mike McDaniel. And Beast. I think this guy's like the next Sean McVay. Like, look, I don't know too much about breaking down football film. Not and it helps here when and- you get – it helps when you have Tyreek Hill and Waddle. I, I understand that. Tua can throw some 50-50 balls and get away with it. He's throwing very good passes. Yeah, but, I mean, Josh Allen has Stephon Diggs and so on and so forth. But Mahomes is Travis Kelsey. But, anyway, I don't really know how to break down football film, but I saw a lot of videos of a lot of things Mike McDaniel does. And this guy is – Sean McMahon might be the boy genius, but he might be, like, the nerd boy genius because he wears the glasses out there. I mean, <laughs> this guy is a freaking genius, let me tell you. Yeah, Sean McVay looks like the Hollywood guy. Um <laughs> Um, the, the easiest bet in football for the last uh, seven years, I believe it's seven years, almost a decade now, is to take Jacksonville Jaguars money line when the Colts play in Jacksonville. Colts look lackluster once again. Um, they look really bad to start this season. It seems like – listen, look, there's an asterisk. They did not have their top receiver, top two receivers uh, in that game. And if you, if you um, shut down Jonathan Taylor – Matt Ryan um, looks really bad in, in those games. Their offensive line's not pay, playing well, which Matt Ryan needs, and the Colts look really lackluster. But when they play in Jacksonville, it should be an automatic bet for Jacksonville spread and Jacksonville money line if they are continued to be the underdogs in that game. Nothing for me. The next one is I'm adding Matt Rule to the coaches list who won't make it the whole year. Um, what do we have? Four? I think we have three or four coaches on that list. Um, Cliff, I think Cliff Kingsbury saved himself. He's still on that list for me because I still think the Cardinals will be underwhelming this year. Um, I know he just signed. So I wrote this one down before he made the comeback. So I'm, I'm not going to say it, but it was about Kyler Murray and his contract possibly being very, very bad. But I don't want to go in depth about that. Let's move on. Jimmy G versus Trey Lance. If you're the San Francisco 49ers coach, if you're the San Francisco 49ers GM, you had to pick one quarterback. Who are you taking? I think it's a very easy answer. Well, I guess Jimmy G. Okay. I think it's Jimmy G. I think Trey Lance has shown you absolutely nothing. He's played very little time 
Uh, that's because he couldn't beat Jimmy G out. Jimmy G then gets a big contract extension. Uh, so what? They drafted Trey Lance. The same thing with Jordan Love. Jordan Love's never going to see the field, uh, and they drafted him to be uh, Rodgers' replacement. I think Trey Lance, I really do. I don't understand what's the hurry to get Jimmy G out of San Francisco. I really don't. He wins a ton of football games under Kyle Shanahan. The Bengals. The Bengals are 0-2. They're not just 0-2. They're 0-2 with losses to Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush. That puts it in bold letters for me when I say that they're 0-2. That's bad. If they lose this week, I talk, I texted you this. I said two years ago, everyone was saying Zach Taylor's a horrible coach. This and that. He's got no idea what he's doing. This and that, whatever. Burrow saves the day last year. The Bengals go to the Super Bowl. Are we sure Zach Taylor is a good coach? Or are we sure that everything just clicked for the Bengals last year? Call me crazy, but I don't think Cincinnati plays well as the front runner. I think they play better as the underdog. I think week one, they had a little bit of that Super Bowl hangover, you know, like that's like that was the they, reason why Steelers were on max bet was the Super Bowl hangover factor. And then I think week two, they just kind of went out there and they're like, oh, this is Cooper Rush. Like it's Cooper Rush. You know what I mean? And instead, you know, it's also too. This is the part. This is the part that I'm actually glad you brought up. This is the one observation that I actually want to talk about. Mika Parsons. Look, we've seen a lot of good defensive players, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't care how how insane this is. He's the best defensive player in the league since Lawrence Taylor. And the thing that makes him so insane is the fact that you don't know where he's going to line up. This guy can line up anywhere on the field, and he's going to be in the backfield and destroy your quarterback. He is the best defensive player in the league. I am still pissed off the Falcons drafted Kyle Pitts and didn't trade back and get Parsons instead. So an observation that I noticed with Mike Parsons was they noticed that the center was really struggling for the Bengals last week. So they started the second half lining Parsons up at the middle linebacker position only to blitz. He was he was still moving around, but if he's at the middle linebacker, he's only blitzing. And they would take the nose tackle to take the center, move him left to right, which left the running back trying to block Parsons. Good he's one. gonna win that. He's gonna win that hundred percent of the time. The Bengals play the Jets this week. I believe it's in New York. The Jets don't have a great pass rush. If the Bengals first, let's just say they win. If they don't cover, they are in serious trouble, in my opinion, unless they fix this offensive line and they've been approved to people they fix it because they should blow out the Jets. Because when I look at NFL games, I try to do strength versus weakness. The Jets don't have a strength that matches up with the Bengals' weakness necessarily. They really don't. And if Sauce Gardner really doesn't play, they have no excuse not to cover in this game. Yeah, I agree completely, Ben. I am ready to move on to the picks. That's all I had. Let's do it, guys. It is time. It is time for our college football NFL picks. As always, we start things out in college football. Ben, since you are currently the picks leader, I'll let you start us off. What game are you betting on here? Uh, yeah, real quick, if you didn't see on Twitter, I'll just go through the um, – actually, you're leading in college. but So um, you were 5-2. You're 5-2-1 and one on college picks. I'm five and four on college picks. You are three and two on NFL picks. I'm six and two on the NFL. That's a combined for the podcast, 19-10 in one push. Um, off to a pretty good start, I would say, uh, for you and I, I will take 19 and 10. I still think there's room to improve for us. First one I'm going with in college is Kansas minus seven. I love the energy that they're bringing with, with this new coach, with their new quarterback. Duke's three and oh, Kansas is three and oh. They both, I believe, have already hit they're over win totals this year. Yep. None of them you could say are a fluke because they've already hit their win totals. But I do think Kansas has shown they've played a tougher schedule. They went at West Virginia to play. 
whether West Virginia, you think they're good or not, I think it's a tough place to play. And they won Houston. I believe it was at Houston as well. Um, and I do think Houston's a very good team. So I think that's two impressive wins I've seen out of Kansas. And um, I figured the line was going to go up. I think it's starting up to seven and a half now. I took it at seven. I'm uh, pretty confident in this pick. I like that. I like that pick, Ben. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Is college game day at Florida, Tennessee this week? You are correct. Okay. I just want to go ahead and double check that. I will be coming back to that later. I like to go, though, in logical order of how these games start. I'm going to kick my day off with two bets. The first one is going to kick off at, at uh, 12 o'clock on ABC. Um, the Clemson Tigers go on the road to Raleigh, North Carolina to take on the, or wait, NC State's in Raleigh. Where's uh, Wake Forest? Winston-Salem, North Carolina, yeah. take on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Clemson's ranked number five. Wake Forest ranked number 20. Spread in this game is currently seven, and I'm taking the points here with Wake Forest. Ben, I don't want you to be mad because I know we discussed this one earlier, but I actually had an epiphany this morning. Look, Wake has won 11 games at home. They've won their last 11 games straight up at home, so it's something that's going for us there. On top of that, Wake Forest catching, was catching six and a half last year playing at Clemson. So now they're at home and they're catching seven. I mean, that doesn't even make any sense in my opinion. On top of that, PFF currently has Wake Forest ranked as the eighth team in all of college football, and they have one of the most explosive and big play offenses that grades out. Um, their defense actually rates well at everything except for tackling. So basically, like, the defense is good but they just can't tackle well. But on the flip side of things for Clemson, guys, Clemson is struggling in run blocking and receiving. Wake Forest can run the ball on them. Also, Clemson has played absolutely nobody this season, and they're ranked 20th on PFF. I mean, think about it. Clemson has bad grades on PFF, and they've played nobody this season. I mean, that does not bode well for Clemson. This is their first real game they play here. I think Wake Forest keeps it inside of a touchdown. I would not be shocked, though, I mean, let's put it this way. If Clemson's defense can control the game, I think we at least get a cover here. But if Clemson's defense can't control the game, I think Wake Forest beats them outright. So I'm taking the seven here. The only thing that's not on your side is history. And history is what people say it's in the past. Mm -hmm. We are looking at the present day moment. There are some stat out there that says Wake Forest has not beaten a top five, an AP top five team in a long time. I believe it's their O for the last 62. So I hope history changes for you. I like that game. I just, I just didn't get to the window on it. Um, but I, I definitely like it. I don't think Clemson has the offense to push the table. My only worry was Clemson's defensive line, which is their biggest strength yeah. matches up with Wake Forest. One of Wake Forest's weaknesses. Um, I think you mentioned they're tackling on defense, their big play yards. They've given on the defense is probably their biggest weakness. But their offensive line is not that strong. And I think if Clemson can get a lot of pressure on Hartman, I think that makes for a tough matchup. I leaned the under in this game, but I ended up not taking anything. Um, if I had to take a side, I would take Wake Forest, though. Yeah, 56 is a lot of points in a Clemson game. I mean, you really think that, the, the yeah, yeah, like, I just don't see it. The other thing I do want to say is um actually shit i forgot what the other thing i was going to say but anyway let's just keep things for i just had a total brain blank i know i'm not going to think of it let's keep things going ben what's your next game on the on the table ohio state minus 18 they're playing wisconsin at home um this is an insane matchup of strength versus weakness wisconsin's dbs have no business trying to cover ohio state's weapons at receiver, offensive line for Ohio State's been a huge strength. Wisconsin has not been getting a ton of pressure on the quarterback like they have done in the past. 
The only thing Wisconsin has, I think, is a pretty good running back. I don't think he's going to get it going. I think Graham Mertz really struggles in this game. I think this could get ugly, and I think it could get ugly fast. They're just going to out-athlete Wisconsin. I really do. I think C.J. Stroud is going to have another game where he throws for four-plus four touchdowns, minus 18. It's at Ohio State. They're doing a blackout game. I don't really care. I don't get caught up in, like, the jersey hype, but I don't know if Wisconsin can keep this close. Yeah, actually, Ben, I didn't play this game, but the guy I work with is a diehard Ohio State fan, and he told me that Wisconsin's missing their top three DBs, hence the steam on the spread from 15 to 19 now. I'm going to get taken right now. I would say Ben's probably right on that one, guys. Um, I'm going to stay in the 12 o'clock window. I'm going over to this. Damn, this game's going to be on Bally Sports. Good, good old Bally Sports. The South Florida Bulls travel Love on it. the road, take on the Louisville Cardinals. The spread on this game is 14 and a half. Um, I'm going, I'm rolling with a max play on this one. I actually have two max plays on this college football card. Look, would you play it on 14? I'm just curious because mine is yeah. 14. No, okay. absolutely. It was at 13, and I like, I was going to play it for one unit on 13, catching two touchdowns. Oh, I love this one even more. Louisville is receivers grayed out absolutely awful on PFF to start with, and their top wide receiver is hurt and probably won't play in this game. Louisville is very weak in stopping the run. They're decent against the pass. USF's going to want to run the ball all over them, so that plays to USF's strength. Look, USF played Florida. Florida had to bl- had to have a missed field goal to escape losing in the swamp against them last week. I mean, it's BYU. They did get the shit kicked out of them, but on top of that, they also played Howard. PFF has USF ranked 68th and Louisville ranked 99th. So, I mean, that takes all those factors in there. And both these teams have played legit competition. Louisville has played Syracuse, UCF, and Florida State. I feel like Louisville might also be tired in the fact that they had to play. I mean, they've had to play three legit opponents in dogfights out the gate. I think these things don't bode well for them. I remember Syracuse ground attack with Sean Tucker running all over him. South Florida's quarterback is Gary Bahannon, the transfer from uh, Baylor from last year. So it's not like he's a bum or anything. They built this entire team, the transfer portal. I mean, it's 14 and a half. I expect USF to be, uh, to be live, to win this one outright in this game. 14 and a half is way too many points. I'm on the bulls here. Next pick. I'm, I got two more. Um, okay. Same next. I'm going with another big spread and, like, I haven't done this in the past, but big spreads have been pretty successful for teams. This is a team that has not had a close spread. They have not had a close game. I'm going to Michigan minus 17. They're playing Maryland. Uh, Maryland does have a pretty good offense. We talked about that when we did our Big Big Ten podcast. If you look at – I'm going to pull it up real quick because I had it up earlier, and I want to get the numbers right. But if you look at the um, – Past matchups for Michigan versus Maryland. Give me 15 seconds. I want to add something, Ben, to your pick out here on this one because I already know what you're doing. You're laying the 16 with Michigan here. Maryland's yeah, I think, five I think mine yeah, I think mine was 17, but I'm still playing. Okay. Maryland's five and twenty ATS in road conference games. And also, too, when you go through back and you look at Maryland's wins in conference the last two years, they're beating up on teams like Illinois and stuff, and they are getting absolutely housed by teams like Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State and stuff like not even competitive games whatsoever. So this is from 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, and then they did not play in 2020, and then in 2021. So the last five matchups. Michigan has won all five. They won 59-3, 35-10, 42-21, 38-7, 59-18. They covered in every single one 
over those matchups. For that trend alone, I think Michigan just curb stomps um, Maryland once again. I think it's their nemesis. I Well, not their nemesis because I think all the good teams beat up Maryland. Yeah, I think Michigan's defense is still good. Um, I'm not worried about the two-quarterback system. Michigan, I know they've played nobody, have had a very efficient offense so far. Michigan minus 17 in the big house. Yeah, I was actually I'm actually pretty close on this one. I might end up getting there come game day. Um it, it might be I'm debating on the Ohio State game or the Michigan game. I'm I'm debating on doing the triple play on it. First quarter, first half, and full game. I haven't done it all of them. I've just taken the full game, but I might. I like both those picks for sure, Ben. Ben getting real sweaty in over there in uh the Big Ten. I'm going to go to the SEC to college game day, as I teased earlier. Number 20, Florida. I don't know how the hell they're ranked playing number 11, Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's in a 10.5-point home favorite, and I'm laying the points with them. We talked about it earlier. Anthony Richardson cannot throw the ball. He does not have a passing touchdown yet in three games. Ben, let me ask you this. If they don't beat Utah, what do you think the spread is in this game? What's it right now? I didn't hear you. 11 and a 10, or 10 and a half. 11 and, it's probably closer to two touchdowns. I would say 14 to 17 if they don't have a win. I think there's way too much value. Um, the fact you can't throw the ball if you're Florida, Tennessee has the best explosive and big play offense in college football, making this a terrible matchup for them. They're going to have to throw to stay in this game one way or another. Nayland Stadium is going to be absolutely rocking. I don't think Tennessee's had this much hype in a long time. The fans are going to be showing out there. They're going to be absolutely wasted since this is going to be a 330 start. I expect Tennessee to absolutely house him. Anthony Richardson will try to throw and get back in this game, and he's just going to throw more interceptions on top of that. Um, I, I just think this is the, also, too, the other slept-on factor. Is this is the first road game that Florida has played all year. Florida kind of falls in that same guideline, too, is like I talked about at Louisville. They really haven't had a break. They were in a dogfight versus Utah. They were in a dogfight versus Kentucky, and they were just in a dogfight last week against USF, throwing for no touchdowns. I don't see it here, man. Give me give me Tennessee minus 10 and a half. I'm laying the lumber with the Vols. Um, last college football bet, Ben, then I'll let you do the other one. This is my second max play I teased earlier. I'm going to the rivalry game. We're going to Jerry World, 7 p.m. kickoff on ESPN. Number 10, Arkansas, playing number 23, Texas A&M. Arkansas is a two-point dog here on a neutral site. I'm taking the points with Arkansas max play. Texas A&M was ranked 90th in pro football focus just on all grades. I mean, think about this, guys. They played App State, Sam Houston State, and Miami, and their offense grades out absolutely freaking awful. On top of that, I mean, this their run defense is terrible too, guys. We know Arkansas is going to run the ball a lot with KJ Jefferson. He should have a lot of success. Arkansas is ranked 38th. Just wanted to throw that in there. They're going to have no problem getting theirs. I think Arkansas puts 30-plus up. I mean, Texas A&M literally scored last week off a muffed punt and had one legit drive the entire game. I just don't see it, guys. I think that – I mean, I, I think Arkansas anything up to minus three is a good bet in this game. I would take Arkansas minus three. Give it to me, Arkansas Hogs. Ho Woo pig or whatever they say over there. Yeah, woo pig suey. My last one is uh, I think I think you're gonna agree on it. I just don't know if you placed it, but uh, Washington State plus six and a half. They are three and zero. They are home against the Oregon Ducks. I don't even want to talk about the Georgia game. Um, I thought that was a total mismatch. To be honest with you, from the very beginning, I thought Oregon being ranked ten or eleven. I think eleven to start the year was absolute insanity. A head coach that's never been a head coach before, a quarterback that everyone knows is very inconsistent, um, and a quarterback that you know has struggled the most against Georgia. 
I didn't understand that. I'm only mad at myself for not taking Georgia every which way in that game. I have a friend that took Georgia first quarter, first half, uh, team total and and spread. He won all four. Like it, it was the easiest bet that I that I have not placed in my life. <laughs> the main thing I want to go over. So we've only had uh, three games this year, so I don't want to talk about this year yet, but I do want to talk about Bo Nix and his home versus road splits, okay? So let's go to 2021. Keep in mind, he was at Auburn. He was in the SEC. His home completion percentage was 63%. His away completion percentage was 56, uh, 50, let's call it 57%. I'll round up. He threw for 1,400 yards at home. He threw for 885 yards on the road. His touchdown to interception ratio at home was eight to one. His uh, or eight touchdowns, one interception on the road. It was three touchdowns and two picks. Let's go to 2020. Bo picks. Picks at home. Completion percentage is 65% on the away or on away games, 57%. At home, eight touchdowns, one interception. Again, on the road, four touchdowns, six interceptions. Okay. There's a complete split. Let's go to his freshman year. 60% at home, 51% on the road, completion percentage, 10 touchdowns at home, two interceptions, six touchdowns on the road, four interceptions on the road. You guys get the point. Way worse on the road. I think this is a big environment for Wazoo to have their fans go crazy, a chance to go 4-0. If they go 4-0 and Washington goes 4-0, I think the Apple Cup, is going to be, which is obviously at the end of the year, we got to figure out how these teams get there. It's going to be one of the most exciting um, games we have this year. I really do believe that. I think both of these teams have a chance to win their side of the Pac-12. Um, so I, I think Washington State plus six and a half at home, when you know Bo Nix is probably not going to play as well if he did, like he did last week. He had a career day last week at home. I'm fading Bo Nix on the road. Might do it for the rest of the season, too. Nah, Ben, I cannot blame you at all there. I actually will probably be playing this one. I just haven't taken it yet for whatever reason. I saw a seven pop up on the board, so I don't know why I haven't gotten there yeah, this, yet on my, this one. So mine was six and a half. If if people have six and a half on their book, and obviously I'm pretty confident in Washington State, you recommend just buying the half a point, laying a little bit more juice just to get to seven? I mean, I can get you a seven, Ben. I see seven pretty pretty my, close to being yeah, a consensus my, line. Mine's six and a half right now, so I didn't know if, like, if you wanted to give advice, like, if people's books were six and a half, do you think I should buy the seven? Do you think I should? I haven't placed it yet just because I'm waiting to see if yeah. it's the seven. Yeah, and I'm I seeing taking... pretty much everywhere. FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGN, points better. All, all, yeah, I'd say it's about 50-50 between six and a half and seven. I would wait on that one, honestly, if I were y'all. I think it'll go to seven. I think or I think public money will continue to flood in on Oregon. It looks like the public's all over Oregon. I, They're all number two on my packs on our Pac-12 pod. I was pretty high in Washington State, so I still feel good about them. Money's like 80-20 split, 80 on the Oregon side, so I'm still going to wait, but I am placing this game, whether it finishes at six and a half or seven. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'll, I'm going to wait and see what happens with it. I think it'll keep playing ping pong, but ultimately it'll end up popping off at seven. Um, ben, let's get into the NFL here real quick. Um, NFL, the guys, I really only have one bet so far in the NFL. There's a couple factors. Ben's on a couple, on one of the games. I'll give you all the factors I'm waiting on on it. On, But I'm going to go ahead and take the Cardinals plus four hosting the Rams. Look, the Rams have struggled with running quarterbacks back-to-back weeks. Mariota and Josh Allen have had their way on the ground with them. I expect Kyler Murray to do the exact same thing. This defense and pass rush does not look the same without Vaughn Miller. On top of that, I think the Cardinals kind of woke up in the second half and figured things out a little bit when they came back on the Raiders and kind of saved their season. Also, 
revenge game. Remember what happened last time these teams met in the playoffs. Cardinals got absolutely embarrassed by the Rams. I think they're going to come out here a little pissed off and take it to them. I think plus four is a disrespectful line here. Cardinals cover and win this one outright at the house. I'm starting off with the Thursday night football game. Um, I'm not sure I understand this line, so maybe I shouldn't take this pick, but I'm going to go with my gut. Jacoby Brissett injured his ankle last week. He's playing, but he's not going to be 100%. Tomlin, as a coach, who has been, I feel like, in the league forever, Mm -hmm. his Tomlin team, so the Steelers, covers 67% of the time as a road dog. It's one of the best road coaches we have in the NFL. The Steelers are plus four and a half. I just don't see how the Browns are that much better. I also looked it up. It is supposed to rain for the game, which means I do think the Browns will uh, lean heavily on their rushing attack, which is very, very good. Steelers have stopped the run pretty well this week. They just played the Patriots, who are also a very run-heavy team, and didn't give up a ton of yard, uh, yards on the ground. I, it, it was right, at, right around 100, I think. It, was not, it wasn't a number that I was, like, scared to do. Um, and I think the Steelers' secondary is very, very good. I think it's led by Minka Fitzpatrick, who has had an interception in both games so far. They get Jacoby Percent to throw the ball. I can't take it on my book anymore. I don't live in Nashville. But if I could, I would take Jacoby Percent to throw an interception in this game. It'll be up there tomorrow, Ben. Um, the one thing I do want to add is it looks like it's going to be 19-mile-per-hour winds. I'm doing a little more research into all this stuff, though, just because I really want to see what the weather's actually going to be because I might go ahead and lay this under now before both, the – Both both teams do have a good kicker, um, Boswell and, and Cade York. Cade York already hit like a 60 or 59-yarder. Um, that's a lot of wind, but you play in Pittsburgh, you play in Cleveland, I feel like you just live in the wind. Like those are two windy cities. Uh, not to take anything away from Chicago, who literally owns that nickname. But, yeah, I mean, this under is very, very low. When the under's low, I, I typically like to take the underdog team. When I don't see that much of a disadvantage, I, I'm going to take the underdog. No, nah, fair enough. See, the one thing I worry about, Ben, the, is the fact the that Najee Harris injury. He's going to play, but he is not healthy and it scares me. Because they got to lean on this dude. Well, the reason why I'm looking at the other side, Steelers got no pass rush last week. They had zero sacks. On top of that, think about what this what the line told you last week. Pittsburgh was an underdog to the Patriots at home. You get two points for home field advantage. So that's telling you they're yeah. five points worse than the than the Patriots. I mean, I think the Browns are a little bit better than the Patriots. So think about what the line's telling you right now. It's telling you that Cleveland's two and a half points plus home field better than the Steelers. I'm not gonna lie. I'm looking to go the other way because I also love fading the public in prime time, but I am kind of with Ben on this one. It's very tough to look at Cleveland here. So my my other reason was because last week I had the Jets against the Browns, and the reason was the Jets were very good against the run uh, up to that point. If you, which was a high scoring game, I wasn't expecting that many points. I said if you could shut down the run a little bit, it comes Flacco versus Brissett. I don't see that much of an advantage for the Browns there. Mm-hmm. If the Steelers can shut down the Browns or at least manage the Browns run game again I don't see that much of an advantage between Jacoby Brissett over Trubisky I think Trubisky might be even better I, I would I would probably put Trubisky a little bit better than Brissett so I guess those are the reasons why I'm taking the Steelers it's not my most confident play of the week yeah but I am taking it um big continue with the re- how many more in NFL you got oh actually there was there was a couple more stats I had in that game I kind of forgot about them but I just remembered them the Steelers are 4-0 against the spread uh, in their last four games in division. Okay. The underdog is 4-0 against the spread in the last four meetings between the Browns and the Steelers. 
The Steelers are five and one against the spread in the last six against the Browns. Obviously, it's a little bit different of a team though. Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and then the under, you were looking at it. The under is four and zero in the last four AFC North um, meetings that involve the Steelers. The Browns are one and five in their last home, uh, one and five against the spread in their last home six in their last six home games. So that kind of made me lean the Steelers, but anything can happen in this game. Fair. Um, I have two more. Okay. Two more in the um, in the um, uh, actually I really only have one more. I'm not that confident. My lean was the Rams, but I'm not gonna play it because now it's three and a half. I'm not taking the hook against the Cardinals. Um, so my last play is the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs are going on the road. The Chiefs are minus th- six on my book okay. against the Colts. The Colts are zero and two against the spread this year. They're zero and four against the spread in their last four home games. Um, the Chiefs are one and one against the spread this year. Small sample size. The Chiefs are 10 and two against the spread in their last 12 week three games. I know that that's very specific, um, but it is what it is. That's a damn impressive stat. It's also, um, they're five and two in their last seven road games. Also, we're still in the month of September. Last time I checked, the Chiefs are like the greatest September team there is. Isn't there like a stat that they haven't lost a game in September in like multi, in like three or four years or something? Aren't they like undefeated in September? I think there is a stat or something like that, but I do know Kansas City on the uh, ATS has not been great over the past year, two years, three years. They're actually. five. They're well, they're they're getting better at it. It's it's not that big. They're five and two on their last mm-hmm. seven road games. Um, but that doesn't scare me as much as it used to. I know that Alec Pearson, um, in practice today, it seems like they're leaning towards playing. I just don't know if it matters. I, I, I don't think they can keep up with the amount of points that the Chiefs can put up. The Colts are still missing some people on defense. I'm riding with Patty Mahomes, minus six. So the only reason why I'm pushing back on this one, Ben, is one, it's the most heavily one of the most heavily bet games by the public all week. Also, yeah. on top of that, the look ahead line on this game was two and a half. And now, so that's that's given that they tied Houston week one, and now the line on this game is at five and a half. I just think it's a bit of an overreaction. I mean, let's face it, Ben. You laid out all the reasons why the Colts, we should have all known they were going to lose to Jacksonville. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they don't they haven't won there for the past eight years, and they've had some great teams, and the Jags have been dog shit over the past eight years, you know? So I personally think with everything you laid out, this line's a bit of an overreaction. I don't know if I'm personally going to play it just because, I mean – Betting against Patrick Mahomes, betting against Josh Allen is not a fun thing to do. Sometimes it's something you have to do. It's not the fun thing to do. So I haven't gotten there quite yet, but the Colts are in heavy consideration to be on my card for those reasons. I need to. I really need to know like how healthy Michael Pittman is going to be, though. Mm-hmm. That's really what I want to know here. Um, ben, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, no. Were you done in the NFL? Yeah, that's all I have a good read on right now in the NFL. I'm still waiting on a lot of factors. I will end up having a big card on the NFL. That was the only bet I could get to. That's why I went heavier on college this week for picks. That's just fine. That's all I had. Yeah. Anyway, guys, we appreciate everyone who tuned in. Um, we'll be back next week. If you're playing these games, remember, play responsibly. Remember, nobody l- wins every bet they place. As much as I want to believe that I will win every single time I bet, it simply won't. But – As always, guys, we appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again soon.